Welcome to danielswindow.org, where we watch and pray. What are we watching for? Well, whenever we're watching out our window, like Daniel went and opened his windows towards Jerusalem, knelt down, prayed, and asked God for help. There's a lot of people in our windows that need help. Rather it be your physical window in your house, the window in your car, the window on your iPhone, the window on your Android phone, Samsung phone, or wherever. There are people that need help, and we should be uh, praying. This one's called Coronavirus. Is this a time to repent? You know, there's a whole lot of division going online about this being a judgment of God or not being a judgment of God. And we're going to talk about that later. But is it helpful for us to live a, a repentive life? Let's look at this real quick. Luke 13, 1 through 9. Because many people believe any sickness or any disease or any death is because God is sending it. And we're going to address that real quick. Uh, chapter Luke chapter 13, 1 through 9. It says, Now on the same occasion there were some present who reported to him about the Galilee the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. And Jesus said to them, Do you suppose that these Galileans were great, greater sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered this fate? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you will likewise perish. Or do you suppose that those 18 on whom the tower of Shalom fell and killed, that they were worse culprits than all the other men who live in Jerusalem? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. So people that are getting sick and dying of coronavirus aren't worse sinners. God is not pouring out a judgment uh, you know, upon people who get sick. But, but Jesus is saying here that unless we repent, we too can suffer the same fate. So stick with me on that. And it says, And he began telling this parable. A man had a fig tree which had been planted in his vineyard, and he came looking for fruit on it and did not find it. And he said to the vineyard keeper, Behold, for three years I have come looking for fruit on this fig tree without finding it. And he cut it down. Why does it even use up the ground? And he answered and he said to him, Let it alone, sir, for this year too, until I dig around it and put it in fertilizer. And if it bears fruit next year, fine, but if not, cut it down. So why is Jesus talking about people suffering and dying and automatically go into a parable about a fig tree not having fruit? Because we as Christians should have the fruit of the Spirit. We as Christians should live a repentive life where we're, where we're walking away from our own ideas. We're walking away from sin that's causing heartache. We're walking away from things that's you know causing people problems. And, and we're repenting of those things. And we're bearing love, joy, peace, long-suffering, uh, uh, kindness, and goodness, and gentleness, and you know, uh, faithfulness, and self-control. And so, and we find out in the book of Leviticus when they when they had a tree, uh, when they went to the promised land and, uh, under the Levitical law, they were supposed to plant trees, but they weren't supposed to eat any fruit of it un, until I believe the, the I think the fifth year. But the third year there should be fruit on it. But they weren't supposed to eat it. It's supposed to fall to the ground. And the fourth year was 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 fruit that was supposed to be holy. And the fifth year that we could eat it. And so here, here is talking about is, is a fig tree. If it doesn't have any fruit in the third year, if it's not showing any fruit, then it needs to be you know, plucked up. Now, Jesus is not suggesting that anybody who's not saved is going to fall onto this uh, coronavirus or find any, any other kind of fate. God is, is long-suffering. He is very merciful. But he is talking about repentance. And, you know, and so we need to have personal repentance. The reason why... And it doesn't mean that everybody's sick, like I said. Not everybody who's sick and going through this is, has sin in their life. And we're going to talk about that on a, on a future episode. But what happens is when we live a repentant life, and when I mean live a repentant life, it means we're quick. When, when our heart smotes us, as you know, King James says, when we're 
quick to be convicted on how we treated somebody or what we did. And we ask God, oh God, forgive me. Help me. I did that again. I'm sorry. Give me the wisdom I need so I won't do this again. When we live that close to the Lord, when, when the Holy Spirit can breathe upon us and we're quick to repent, we're quick to turn from one direction to the other direction. Repentance is not only changing one of mind, saying, God, you're right I'm, and I'm wrong, but changing one's direction and even changing one's heart. Then when we live a life of repentance, our ears are, are, are better open. And Jesus says, whoever has ears, let them hear. Our eyes are open to see. Our heart is softens. You know, at, uh, the disciples, or Jesus one time was talking about, he says, telling the disciples, be, be careful that you don't, uh, be careful of the leaven of the Pharisees. And be careful of the leaven of Herod. And the disciples began to argue with one another. Did you bring any bread? Did you want to bring bread? Great. Nobody brought any bread. And Jesus wants some bread. And when Jesus turns around and rebukes him, says, "Why is your heart so hard? Don't don't you remember just yesterday how I turned a loaf of you know loaf of bread into how many baskets full left over twelve, and you guys are arguing about bread? Really? That's what, but that's what happens is repentance makes sure that our eyes are open, our ears are open, and our heart is soft enough that we can be pliable to the Lord. Because many people are getting sick. It's not is 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 because they're walking into things or you know that they didn't realize that they're walking into there's been times where i was going to go to a restaurant and i felt all of a sudden i felt like god didn't want me to go there i didn't know why but maybe i would have caught cell amount now yeah whatever or maybe there would have been a, a live shooting who knows who knows but god orders and directs our steps he orders the path of the righteous man but you're righteous first in jesus christ but you're also righteous because you take a hold of that righteous and you keep your Keep yourself repented that when the Holy Spirit convicts you, you are quick to repent. You don't hold on to it. You don't follow through with your sin. And when you have that, you have ears to hear and you have eyes to see, to see things coming. A lot of people didn't see this coming, even though this has been on the news for quite a while because their ears were, they didn't have 2020 anymore. And, you know, and, and, and our ears, <laughs> their eyes didn't have 2020 anymore, but their ears didn't hear anymore and their heart was hardened so they couldn't touch, be touched and felt by the Holy Spirit. So that our perception and our feet are order are properly ordered. Then I'm not, you know, this is just a, a case that many times we walk into situations that we could have completely avoided if we had eyes to hear, eyes to hear, eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to believe. How many people actually marry the wrong person, you know, because they didn't have a repentive life and their eyes could not see that who that person re, uh, really was. They didn't hear their family folks. They didn't hear different people telling you, this is not a good guy to marry. But their heart was hardened, you know, to those things. So we're living a repentive life causes us. It's not keep us from death. Every man is given once to die than face, than face judgment. But Jesus is saying right there that if you want to avoid early death, then you need to live a repentive life. Let's go on. It says, if someone dies of coronavirus, does, does that mean that, that they had unrepentant sin in their life? And I said, you know, that's up. That's not the only way. A lot of people think that's the only way you're going to get sick, you know, is because you're not living life right before the Lord. Well, we know that's not true. I do have another teaching that I'll release next month on mydearbrother.com and mydearsister.com, you know, telling why do people get sick. But just to, just to barely scratch the surface, we live in a fallen world. People are destroyed for lack of knowledge or ignorance. There's a lot of people right now. It's amazing how many people have just now learned to wash their hands. <laughs> and so you may have got sick because you just didn't practice that. You just don't wash your hands. It wasn't because there was sin in your life, but you weren't practicing what it says in the book of Leviticus to wash your hands. And it be outside the camp. You know, it means when somebody's around sick, you just didn't know. And so you just casually went in, you know, 
and then you're sick. So it had nothing to do, you know, you've been you being especially wicked sinner or anybody else um, or, or uh, ignorance. We also have first responders who laid down their life. There's a, scripture says that Jesus, you know, fulfilled. It says there's no greater thing than someone who lays down his life. And Jesus laid down his life for us. He didn't have to, but he did. Well, there's plenty of first responders, uh, police officers, military men, firemen, and even our, our doctors and nurses right now who are laying down their life. They have lost their own life, you know, uh, to, to save ours. And some of them are getting sick because they're in duty. They're running. When everybody's running away from the fire, they're running to the fire. And we as Christians, that was, that's what we should be doing. We should have, you know, that faith and not fear. We should be losing our life to gain a life so we can save somebody else's life. That's what Jesus is. Jesus marched on to the cross knowing that his life was going to have to be surrendered, knowing that he was going to have to lay down his life. And we need to do the same thing. We shouldn't go in, you know, dreading, oh, no, I'm going to come out sick. But we need to be on the front lines just as well as these medical uh, people are. We need to be praying for our doctors. We need to be praying for our nurses that they have wisdom, that they're kept safe. But many times when we're running to the fire, you're not crossing all your T's. You're not dotting all your I's. You don't have all your P's and Q's in place because there's so many things. And Satan... He doesn't care. He doesn't care what our heart is. He doesn't care our motive of love. Only he cares about are you doing things toward, according to the law. And so there are many nurses and, and doctors who are being sneezed on or who, who don't you know, remember to wash their hands because they just washed their hands a hundred times already that, that day. And this time, this one time they forgot and they, and they get it. So it's not so you're not especially a wicked sinner if you get these things and and it doesn't mean you have unrepentant sin in your life either. There are other, other things why people are getting this. But I did need to tell you that that we need to spend this time and and seek God to make sure that if Jesus is knocking on our heart, if Jesus has been knocking on your heart in, in Revelation, so that because there's some kind of sin that you have not been dealing with, well, then we are more open up to this this virus than than and than possibly. So we need to seek God. Says God, you know. Here I am. Is there any wicked thing in me? Is there anything in my heart? Test me. Try my heart. Try my emotions and see if there's any wicked thing in me like King David did so that makes sure that we can make it through this and live a long life. You can, you know, you can confess Psalms 91, but if you're living in sin, Psalms 91 is just not going to protect you. You're going to, you know, well, isn't the blood of Jesus enough? Well, you're not under the blood of Jesus. You're not addressing the blood of Jesus if you're outside, if Jesus is on the outside knocking on the door, if Jesus has been telling you to repent from the sin, this habitual practice in sin, and you're not doing it, well, you're setting yourself up, you know, uh, for something that you don't want to receive, and, and Jesus doesn't want you to receive it either. So, and there are plenty of other reasons, you know, why people may get sick and die of coronavirus. And I said, it doesn't always mean they have unrepentant sin or they're especially wicked sinner. Because Jesus says they're not especially wicked sinner. But unless you too repent, you will likewise perish. And of course, eventually we're all going to perish because it's given to once man to die, then face judgment. But let's go ahead and try to live as long as we can so we can help one another. So how do you respond to those who do get sick? How do you respond to those who do get sick? Because if we respond to them like some of these disciples says, are these especially wicked sinners? You're not going to help somebody if you think God is judging them. If God's judgment on them, then why would you even want to try to help this? That's, God doesn't play the bad cop, good cop, cop kind of thing. You know, God comes in like a cop comes in and, and really intimidates you and, and you know, stirs you up. Then a good cop comes in and says, yeah, you know, that guy's just rough. Don't worry about him. I'll keep under control. You can trust me. Well, God doesn't do that. God doesn't play the bad cop so then send us in as a good cop. 
No, God is there before we even are. God is the first responder. He sent Jesus as being their first responder because there was no other Savior. There was no other, other person to come down here to die for his sins. Jesus was the first responder. And so the same thing is today. So how do we respond to those who, who get sick? We want to be Job's friends the first week. The first week. When I first began reading the Bible, I began reading the Job, and I remember reading how Job had all those calamities, and his friends came down and sat with him and mourned with him for a whole week. And I remember praising God, oh God, I like to have some friends like this. But then I ended up reading what happened the second week, and that's when all his friends began to accuse him, say, you know, if you didn't have sin in your life, none of that stuff would have happened. And that same things are going on now. So we need to be Job's friend the first week. Scripture says rejoice with those who rejoice, but also weep with those who weep. We don't need to be condemning somebody. We don't need to be telling somebody, well, you got you must have sin in your life because if you didn't have sin, if you didn't have sin in your life, this couldn't come upon you. But we just talked about how other ways, you know, uh, sickness and disease come upon you. Some of it's just complete ignorance. Some of it's just simply you're laying down your life for somebody else, just as Jesus laid down his life for us. So if we're going to be Job's friends, be Job's friends the first week. We might not know what to say, but just sitting with them and mourning with them is, you know, is all we got. It is enough. I've done that. I've played this out where I didn't know what to say or what to do. I didn't serve. I just kind of sat with them, put my arm around them for a time, and that's it. That's the only thing I had to offer, but that was enough. Let's be intercession for our neighbors, our city, our state, and our federal government. You know, let there be light, because Jesus is the light. You know, when, when this earth was formed, it says it was, it was out, it was void and darkened and and uh, and without form. Well, that's kind of like how our society is now, and that's how our spiritual society was when Jesus showed up. Jesus only did what he saw the Father do, and so when Jesus arrived on the scene, he says, "I am the light." You know, God said, "Let there be light," and lightness came in and 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 cast out the darkness. Jesus came in a spiritual darkness and cast out the light. Well, we, the church, we are the light of the world now because Jesus says he has made us the light of the world because greater is he that is in us than is in this world. So that light comes out. So we need to come in anybody's situation and first of all, you know, point to them to Jesus. First of all, show them the love of God because we they need to have light. You know, it's very difficult to try to help somebody when they're living in dark, when they're living in darkness. Have you ever tried to go into your house and the lights are off and you're trying to get around? You know where a few things are, but you're probably gonna, you know, you know, uh, hurt your toe or, or hurt your your knee or something like that because you kind of basically where you are. But it's very difficult in the dark. Well, just turn on the light. Once you turn on the light, you know where to walk. You know where not to step. You know what to avoid. And so the first thing that people need in this in this time of darkness and fear is someone to turn on the light. And since we are the light of the world, because Jesus lives in us, then we need to be that light and be that flashlight for them so they can see and maneuver around the dark until they receive Jesus, you know, Christ in their hearts and, and know him as Savior and Lord. And then they have the light as, as, as well. Uh, Daniel'sWindow.org where we watch and pray.